A storm is brewing in our area. Some even call for cyclones. <gasps> yes, it's Cyclones Hockey. We're talking about the pro and the junior team, plus a look at the high school teams in Cincinnati and Dayton. You're not hearing it on Dayton Radio. You've got it to the local Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast as we hit the ice. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is an audio podcast that covers local sports in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and East Central Indiana. When the host promises that all teams in the region are covered, that's a fact. No talking about that team in Columbus. Other people in Dayton have that covered. Hear from a host with experience covering several schools and teams and working with several media organizations. No luck required here, buddy. No insults thrown here, fans. Everyone is welcome to the local sports podcast train. Intro theme is Ultraviolet by Infraction from Upbeat. Visit sindaypod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com for ways to listen to the podcast and to buy merchandise. Now, please welcome your host, Lee W. Mowen. Listen very closely to this podcast episode. You might hear a storm coming from the other room. Well, that's because this podcaster started the dishwasher before I record another episode like a really big idiot. When will I learn? Probably never, but that's the fun thing. Anyway, ECHL hockey time. You know the Cyclones call Heritage Bank Center home. And before the excitement of the Bengals this year, probably the most consistent winning team in Cincinnati. It's too bad the Commandos aren't still in town. Otherwise, it'd probably be them. But Cyclones, yeah, they're always good. They got Jason Payne as their head coach. believe the first black head coach for the Cyclones and maybe the first in the ECHL. There hasn't been a lot if he's not the first, but you get what I'm saying. So it's a very nice year for Cincinnati. Let's go to the standings first to tell you in the Central Division. Well, the Cyclones currently sit in third place out of seven teams. Your central leader are the Toledo Walleye. I tell you, ever since you know the Walleye got into Huntington Bank, they have been so consistent. And that's nice for Toledo. They deserve that. 24-8-0-2. The records, by the way, wins, losses, overtime losses, and shootout losses. So that's 34 games, and 24 of them have been victories. Yeah. All I have in a great year. 50 points, by the way, for Toledo. In second place, Fort Wayne, 19-13-4-0. 42 points. There's Cincinnati in third. With one more game played than Fort Wayne, 37 to 36, 2016-1-0, and 41 points. So if the Cyclones weren't currently on a four-game losing streak, we would still be talking about the second-place Cyclones. But it's been a rough patch for Cincinnati. The offense has gone quiet. 
but more on that in a little bit. Kalamazoo, 19-16-0. I think it's the first team that I've witnessed that doesn't have any losses in overtime or shootouts. That's interesting. Wheeling, 19-16-1-0. Indy, 17-16-2-2. And the brand new Iowa Heartlanders, who have an elk as a logo, 15-18-5-1. A few weeks back, why? Well, I wanted to do a hockey episode. I checked the standings and I think Iowa had six wins at that point. So, Hey, new franchise, the part of the wild family. So what do you expect? You know, first year. So that's your central in case you're wondering about the other three divisions in the mountain, Utah, 40 games in 25, 13, one and one to lead the mountain in the South. It's Jacksonville and the Iceman 22, 10, two and one. You almost have to wonder if the team would have stayed put in Evansville or even made the jump across the river to Owensboro if local fans would have had, you know, something to cheer for in the Central. If Jacksonville still had this record today and was in the Central, they'd be in second place, three points back of Toledo. And in the North, it's Newfoundland, 17-7-2-0, 26 games in for the Growlers, and I believe that's the least out of any ECHL team, I think. Remember, they're in Canada, so the COVID stand, uh, the COVID uh, procedures are different. Meaning Canada, you know, actually, you know, tried to contain it again. But there you go. We're not getting into that topic. So the Cyclones, 2016-1-0. Third place. And they're led by Sean Bonar in net. Five wins in 12 games. A 2.91 goals allows average. Save percentage of 91.1%. Five and six so far. Which means one of the games he didn't get a decision in. He has allowed 32 goals and made 358 saves. His backup is one and two. Brandon Bonello at 420 goals allows average. Save percentage at. 85.9, and he's allowed 10 goals, made 71 saves. That's your goalie tandem. You might know Michael Hauser got signed with the Buffalo Sabres, and I th- believe he picked up the win in his first NHL game. So that's that's huge news. Again, a few years back when Cincinnati was looking for a new ECHL partner, remember they were, were Nashville and Florida, I believe. I keep wanting to say Detroit, but I know that's not right. That's the Mighty Ducks, Detroit and uh, Anaheim. But, hey, that's the whole point. And Buffalo is one of those teams that actually looks at the ECHL and saying, oh, yeah, some of these guys might be NHL-quality people. So, there you go. Now let's look at the forwards. Your leading scorer is Justin Vave. 36 games in, he has scored 12 goals. And Louis Caparuso is your points leader. He has scored 11 goals, 19 assists for 30 points. Vave with 13 assists give him 25. Tied for second with Jesse Schultz, who has seven goals, 18 assists, and 37 points. Numbers seem a little low for Schultz and Vave. Caparuso is a nice surprise, though, a nice leader up there. And fourth, you have 23 points, nine goals, 14 assists for Zach. Andrusiak and Lincoln Griffin, 28 games, 8 goals, 11 assists, 19 total points. So that's your top five scores for forwards. Defensemen, we look at Dejan Mingo, 
Six goals, 16 assists, 22 points to lead the defenseman. White Eggy, I believe he hasn't played as many games with Cincinnati as Mingo. 34 games for Mingo. Eggy with 28, 410 and 14. And Jack Van Bokel, 39, 12, and 23. So he's played even less games. So in my eyes, it seems like there's a lot of shuffling around between uh, Cincinnati and Rochester. I had to think about Buffalo's AHL um, team because there's been a lot of uh, bounce around lately. And compare that with Toledo, the first place team in the Central. Cincinnati has 122 goals and Toledo 130. Two shootout wins for Cincinnati. Two shorthanded goals for the Natty to Toledo's four. Power play percentage. The edge goes to the walleye. 22% to 18. Penalty kill, penalty kill percentage. 83-81. That also goes to Toledo. So again, not a bad year, but a rough patch as of late. Like I mentioned, let's go back to the calendar view. Four straight losses. The last win was... Uh, the 12th at home against Atlanta in the Gladiators, 4-1. Since then, a 5-3 loss at Kalamazoo. A 4-1 loss in Kids Jersey Giveaway Day to the Walleye. A loss at Indy, 3-1. A loss at Fort Wayne, 4-0. And then a loss at home to Wheeling, 2-0. So this weekend, it is Marvel Superhero Weekend. The Cyclones will take on the Nailers at 7.30. The Fuel on Saturday the 29th at 7.30. And no game on the 30th, which is great because there's a football team that's playing for the ASC Championship. So that's what the Cyclones have going on at the moment. As I had a look at the calendar, this season goes to mid-April. Is that a new thing or have I just been that, you know... Blind that ECHL hockey actually lasts that long. My goodness, we were done in March in the Federal Hockey League. And Cyclone's schedule goes all the way to April 16th at Indianapolis. It's crazy. In case you've never been to a Cyclone's game, like I said, this weekend is Superhero Trademark Weekend. Specialty jersey and character appearances. I always like when the Cyclones do specialty jerseys. Try to think if the Cyclones were involved in the um, the uh, SpongeBob Patrick ones. I don't think they were. I think that was Indy Fort Wayne. I think they were in the Garfield Odie ones, though, which Cincinnati was Odie, you know, the dog that gets kicked around by the fat cat. This Wednesday, the 2nd, is $1 beer night. You might see a couple videos on TikTok saying, don't trash Cincinnati hockey talk unless you've been to $1 beer night. That's the night where fans continuously stack beer cans in one of the corners. I love that they do that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'd be afraid of it all tumbling over on checks and stuff, but uh, hey, it's a dollar beer. You can't go wrong with that. For those that like to run 5 or 10Ks, the Frozen... 5 slash 10K will be Saturday the 5th at 9 a.m. And then the Cyclones will fight cancer in the walleye that night at 7.30. There's also another $1 beer night the 9th of February against Atlanta and the Gladiators. 
think every Wednesday is a dollar beer night. Well, there's a Thursday there. Versus Americans. What? Who's this guy playing their AHL affiliate? That doesn't sound right. Oh, the Allen Americans. I forgot all about them. I forgot they were in the ECHL. Because they were one of the strongest teams in the Central Hockey League. And then their first year in the ECHL went great. And then not so much. But yeah, if you're looking for an excuse to go see hockey or see fights, depending on what side of that fence you lean on, Cyclones do it right. They have a lot of events to try to get families in. It's a decent price. I mean, you have to find parking, but that's, you know, always a thing in Cincinnati sports. So, you know, do with that information as you will. But, I mean, $1 beer night, that's not for families, but you get what I'm saying. There's Wizards Night against the Oilers, and the picture, that is Friday, February 18th, if you like Wizards and hockey. That picture has a Wizards hat on a Cincinnati Cyclones logo and a scarf underneath it. That's actually kind of cute. I like that. Military Appreciation Night plus Sensory Friendly Night and Blanket Giveaway, Sunday, February 20th. Ronald McDonald House Night, Ice Cream Sunday Bowl on the 27th against Allen. And there's also a Cincinnati Coney's Night, Friday, March 11th. Like I said, the season goes into April 16th, which surprised me. But again, if you want to go down and see hockey, Cincinnati is not a bad spot. Heritage Bank, yes, I've been on record saying that it needs renovations. It needs renovations bad, but still. Perfectly good home, and it's still standing compared to Hera. God, that hurt me just saying that, but you get my drift. So, again, Cyclones doing well, but now they got to get off this four-game skid. And this weekend, they'll turn into superheroes, hoping to do such things. Now, hopefully, hopefully, there might be an addition where maybe the Cyclones celebrate the Bengals. You know, win or lose at Kansas City this Sunday. Hey. Did anyone expect Cincinnati to make it this far? Certainly not in Dayton. In fact, if you ask someone in Dayton, he says the Bengals should fold and Joe Burrow shouldn't be with Cincinnati and Cleveland is the better team, although you guys have won 44 games last year and now you think you're hot stuff after winning your first playoff game since, I don't know, was Bill Belichick your coach back then? I don't even know that. Oh, by the way, that streak is broken. Browns fans, so what's your excuse? When this turn into Cleveland Browns bashing? <laughs> it's supposed to be about hockey, darn it. But, hey, like I said, go see the Cyclones. It's a good ticket, good price, and you will enjoy the team. You'll enjoy the atmosphere. Go down and watch them at Heritage Bank. And speaking of Heritage Bank, there's another team that plays down there most of the time. It is the Junior Cyclones of the USPHL. Their first year of operation, it's something I've always wanted the Cyclones to do, and they finally have a junior hockey team. The Cyclones are part of the Great Lakes Conference, excuse me, division, and they are one of seven teams 
A lot of these are in Ohio, too. You have Toledo, the Cherokee. You got the Columbus Mavericks, which I think I've talked about in this podcast from time to time. You have Wooster. You have Lake Erie, which is not in Ohio. I think it's Pennsylvania, I think. You got Pittsburgh. You got the Metro Jets, which if you know your junior hockey from around here, Metro has a machine-like program. No kidding. So let's tell you about the standings in the Great Lakes first. Five teams have already clinched playoffs. This season does not last till April. The playoffs begin, actually, playoffs begin early March. In fact, for the Junior Cyclones to spoil it, there's eight games left. So if you wanted to go see the Junior Cyclones, you have two chances at home and six chances away from Cincinnati. So your divisions, Metro, like I said, this team has been very, very good, you know, in their history, their organization, plus when they were in the same uh, NA 3HL conference as the Cincinnati Thunder and Dayton Falcons, they had Winnipeg Jets jerseys on, which is great. I mean, Metro Jets has that logo, but it's just, you know, it's just, it looks like the Winnipeg Jets of old. So that made me happy. Metro 32-4-1-0-0-0, which is wins, losses, overtime, losses, ties, shootout wins, shootout losses. I know that might be a little uh, cumbersome, but we'll try to get through it. Toledo 26-5-3-0-0-0. Columbus 24-8-1-0-1-1. Cincinnati in fourth place, 18-17-1 and three zeros. 17-15-3-0-2-0 for Pittsburgh. Lake Erie 5-25-2-0-1-2. And Wooster 3-29-1. So, yeah, the top five teams made in the Great Lakes, Metro, Toledo, Columbus, the Junior Cyclones, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati currently tied for fourth place with 37 points. And then there's that huge hole between Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Lake Erie, and Wooster. In fact, I thought I saw that Wooster, you know, got the commitment to stay in Wooster. I... Don't remember if that was this year or last year, but man, 329 and one. That is tough. So now let's tell you about the latest games for Cincinnati. It's a pair of wins against Wooster at Alice Noble Ice Arena. That's where Wooster plays. Four to one and four nothing over the Oilers. That's after the Cyclones. Went 0-3. Wow, they haven't played in over a month before the Wooster Series. It's a holiday tournament. Actually, there's four of them. And Cincinnati went 0-4. Lost to the Minnesota Blue Ox. Oh, that's a great name. 4-2. Leaf Center, J.J. Rink at the Fifth Third Arena Mission Arena. The Steel County Blades knocked off the Cyclones 8-6 at the Leaf Center Center Rink. Oh, that's that's a fun one to say. Leaf Center, Center Rink. And both centers are spelled differently. The first one is Sentry. The other one is Center like you and I know it. 5-1 Midwest Blackbirds. And then to fall at the Fifth Third Arena, Hyundai. Hyundai. Hyundai Arena. I know words, damn it. 
Mullets of Minnesota knocked off the Cyclones in OT 4-3. So that tournament didn't go the way of the Cyclones, but still, first-year operation in the playoffs, 18 wins, and a total of 18 losses, one of those in OT. Can you really complain? No. Starting to build a program, it's, you know, that's a great start. Your leading scorers for Cincinnati, as the defenders are lumped in here as well, not like the ECHL, they have the forwards and defenders separate. This is all skaters. Drake Barnish leads the way. 31 games, 36 goals, 41 assists for 77 points. Behind him is Brandon Walk. 14 goals, 35 assists, 49 points. Joey Matevi, 6 goals, 27 assists. He is the leading points getter for a defender. And most of his points come off the assists. But hey, you know, hockey is not a me sport. It is a Wii sport. Not to be confused with the Nintendo Wii. But it is a game that you have to be unselfish and... Matavi, 27 assists. 41 assists by Barnish is the most. Walk has the second most with 35, but still, impressive work. Nathan Sunderhouse, if you followed me covering high school hockey on YouTube, you know, great player for the Norfolk, Kentucky Norse. Which, by the way, in case you're wondering how that came to be, it was a partnership with the Cyclones and Norfolk, Kentucky Youth Hockey Association. I think some of the programs were rebranded as the Junior Cyclones. Some of them stayed as the Norse. Again, no connection to NKU. But Sunderhouse, 15 goals, 6 assists, 21 points. Kyle Burke, second defender on the list, 14, 6, and 20. Christopher Lanier, 8, 10, 18. Jordan Winrod, 5, 13, 18. Hey, 513-513. Hey, he's getting the Cincinnati spirit. J.D. Schumann, you might remember him with the Springboro Panthers. The defender has two goals, 14 assists, 16 points total. Max Williams. Is that the same Max Williams from NKY? I think it is. 5, 9, and 14. And J.T. Hasek rounds up the starting 10, 7, 6, 13. We look at the goalie tandem now for Cincinnati. Forgot you have to hit submit. Blake Mitchell and Empty Net. Oh, I love Empty Net. I have all of Empty Net's posters and everything signed, which is weird because you can't see the signatures. It's invisible ink. That's what I say. So right now there's just one listed. Let's go to all goalies because I'm sure that'll bring up some more. Yeah. And hey. There's Abby Vertar. He was with the Dayton Stealth. I recognize a lot of these names. I get excited just because, hey, you know, they're getting a shot in junior hockey. And if you want to play for college, I mean, not to bash high school hockey, but junior hockey, you get more looks, if that makes sense. Then again, there's more opportunities in junior hockey in America. And, you know, and since uh, Cincinnati Dayton, you got the Cyclones, the Stealth, the Junior Red Hawks, the Cincinnati Swords, Youth Hockey Association. I'm talking about youth hockey instead of junior hockey. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Abby Vertar coming in. Four wins, one loss in seven games, a 2.38 goals allows average, save percentage of 91.3%. Blake Mitchell was the only one listed in the qualified goalies, which, what would that mean? 
Goalies must have 660 minutes to be considered qualified. Hey, I love when I answer my own questions. And Vertar has 327. That's the least out of the three I'm going to talk about. Blake Mitchell, 1,307 minutes in net. He's been the workhorse for the junior Cyclones. 10 wins, 10 losses, an overtime loss, a goals allows average at 3.63, and a save percentage at 89.1%. Jack Cooper is the third goalie. He's 4-6 and six in 10 games, a 4.76 goals allows average, 87.2% save percentage in 530 minutes. He needs another 130 minutes to be considered qualified. So that'd be two full games and then 10 minutes of another one. So he should get that. But again, eight games left. So the Cyclones as a team with the goalie, was it Tritum? Or is it still Tandem? I don't know. 3.71 goals allows average. And the Cyclones have an 88.9% save percentage with three shutouts in 2,164 minutes. And 1,068 saves. Just need one more, and then we can say 106.9. That I could talk to you about my time with WWSU. No, let's not do that. So there you go. That is the Cincinnati Junior Cyclones. And you know what? Like I said, really happy that this finally happened. I mean, the big thing is, I want the Cyclones to stay in Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati hockey fans want the same. And you know how you grow roots? You start a youth hockey program, which, you know, the junior Cyclones do, but it's partnered with NKY, which is cool because, hey, NKY is part of Cincinnati. It's a different part of state, which, you know, I was almost about ready to say, hey, Cleveland, we're not part of Kentucky. We're in Ohio but we have parts of Kentucky in our metro area. Hmm. The more you know, I guess. So when is the next opportunity to see the Junior Cyclones? Well, if you want to take a flight <laughs> to see Metro host Cincinnati, it's this Friday at 7.30 at Mount Clemens Ice Arena Jets Rink, which I think is a new place for Metro Jets. They were in Frazier, Michigan. And I don't know if that's in Frazier, if that's a new name for it, or if they're in Mount Clemens now. I don't know my Michigan stuff as well. Back home Sunday the 30th at noon against Columbus and the Mavericks. It will be the last time these two Ohio teams play each other. Which, you know, Mavericks having a great second year, which is nice to see them rebound from last year. Then you have... Two games at Fort Wayne. Sorry, notifications keep popping up. That's my fault. Then you got two games at Fort Wayne, the 4th and 5th of February against the Spacemen. That's a great name. No, I don't know if that has any relevance to Fort Wayne other than the Comets and, you know, that whole theme. I think, I don't know. Are they claiming Neil Armstrong? Because that's Wapakoneta. That's our thing, Fort Wayne. Get your own thing. And then a trip to Team Toledo Ice House, which is a nice rink. It's very cold, though, dress warm. On the 11th, off for 10 days to host Metro at Heritage Bank Center. That is the last home game of the regular season. And then a trip to Erie Bank Sports Park to battle with the Lake Erie Bighorns. 
And that's your regular season. Cyclones already in the playoffs, which closer to time, we'll talk about who Cincinnati will stack up against. But hey, first year, head coach Jim Mitchell and my good friend and guest on this podcast, hopefully your good friend too, Jamie Intello, the assistant. They're doing a great job the first year. Now it's about building for next year as well. I can't wait to see how the junior Cyclones look in year two. I mean, year one looks good, but I like to see how Cincinnati keeps building that up. And they get to play in the same place as the ECHL Cyclones for most games. Some of them were at North Lanai Center, I think, because the Cyclones were there at the time, I think. But, yeah, it's something I've always wanted, and the Cyclones have it. That makes me so happy. And I wish nothing but success for both Cyclones teams as we move out of the big Cyclones into high school hockey. Trying to think if there's any storm puns I can make with the local teams around here, but there's not, so that'll do. About the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. It's a league that I'm very fond of, and... Sadly, this league has shrunken. Not only does Centerville not have a team, I feel like there's another team that's not on here, and I don't know why that is. Talawanda has rejoined the league, which is great. Just one year of being independent and back in the league. This is a really close race. I will also mention I have my hockey rankings up as well, so we'll go over the conference records first, and then will go through the actual state rankings for high school and then all together. So we'll start off with the conference record first. Who's leading the Swashel, you might ask? Well, that's Beaver Creek. Eight games in, six wins, one loss, one tie. Alter right behind the Beavers, six and one. The Knights have the least amount of goals allowed with 10 and 64 goals scored. But wait a minute. There's a new challenger, new as in they took the year off from the Swashel last year and back in this year, Talawanda, 4-1-1 in six games. They have allowed just nine and scored 53 of their own. So right now, the top three looking good. Beaver Creek, 51 goals scored, 17 allowed. So that number is the highest out of the three. But the goals allowed, or the goals scored rather, that's not bad. Alter has the most goals scored, 64. Second least allowed with 10. Talawanda, 53 goals scored, 9 allowed. That's the least. And then we have a tie for fourth as Mason, Elder, and Troy listed as not winning a conference game so far. Mason is 0-5. Comets have scored 5 conference goals, allowed 61. That is the most of the three teams tied for fourth. Elder has yet to score. They're 0-4. They have not scored a goal, allowed 47. Troy has scored four, allowed 33. And they are also 0-4. Now we look at the My Hockey rankings for high school only. If you want to look at it yourself, myhockeyrankings.com. If you're just looking for the high school teams, it's OHSAA. If you're looking for the uh, youth hockey alternate, it is... USA Hockey. If you want both, just go to all. So, right now in OHSAA, it's St. Ignatius A-Team on top. 
If you're surprised, you haven't followed high school hockey in Ohio. They're always on the top. Toledo, St. Francis, the sales, they won the title last year, 19-4-1. So not only is that a better record than St. Ignatius, 13-5-1. Right now, the ranking is .25 different, meaning I think St. Ignatius has a tougher schedule, perhaps. The gold team of St. Edward in third place, Gilmore Academy, Varsity A in fourth. Upper Arlington is your first local team in hockey. We call Columbus local because what do we have now? Um, eight teams in the area when we had 10? I think Centerville LaSalle. LaSalle hasn't had a team in years, which that's a shame, but yeah. Upper Arlington, the first local team, 21 and 6. Olentangy Berlin, 24 and 1. We'll talk about the capital in a minute. Olentangy Liberty, 17, 5 and 3. University School in 8th place. St. Charles, 18, 9 and 1. Bowling Green rounds out the starting 10. Your first Cincinnati Dayton team, scroll down to make sure I'm correct, is Archbishop Moeller, but they dropped a bit at 8, 12 and 6. St. Xavier has dropped a bit too, but there's 13 and 7. And yes, we are going to talk about their Heritage Bank game because I got to call it. My second time there. It was great. First time I actually got to go through the bowels of Heritage Bank. Again, we'll talk about that later. Next local team, Dublin Jerome, 26, 10, 15, and 2. You told me the Celtics were going to go 10, 15, and 2 in one season. I would have said, you don't know hockey. But wow. They've fallen off a bit. Lolantangi Orange, 20, uh, 30th place, 823 0. Uh, still look at there's the first Dayton team. It's Beaver Creek, 36 at 16, 2 and 1. Beaver's having a great season. Lolantangi, 39th, New Albany, 40th, Talawanda, listed at 3, 10 and 2. Which is weird because the league standing says Talawanda's 4, 1 and 1. How can the Brave have four conference wins and just three wins total? I will tell you because sometimes the my hockey ranking records are not accurate. But the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League site does not show overall record. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. Alter 42nd, 15-7-0. Next local team, Worthington Kilbourne in 47th. 7, 8, and 3, Gahanna, Lincoln, 9, 12, and 4, Springboro, 8, 11, and 2. Scrolling through Columbus Academy, 5, 9, and 1. Bishop Watterson, 58, 3, 16, and 1. The Eagles have really fallen off, too. Uh, Troy, 66, 1, and 8, they say. Mason, 1, and 5. And Elder is not even on this list. All high schools have to be on the list. So that is uh, a little alarming, actually. By little, I mean a lot. Elder was really good when I started broadcasting high school hockey. Maybe this will show more if I go to the actual page. Nope, it sure doesn't. Um, I thought Elder was supposed to be playing at Heritage Bank this upcoming weekend, but it doesn't even show that. Well, that's results. Let's check schedule. That might help. 
Hmm, there it is. Elder Mason the 29th at 2. Last time I saw Elder Mason on uh, their live stream they had, they dyed the ice purple, which is really, really cool. And when you get a chance to play where the Cyclones play, that's a huge deal as well. And actually, that is not just Elders. That's just this weekend. So, yeah, you might notice a big differential in records. Some have more wins. Well, that's because COVID has still a firm grasp on America. And I don't know if that grasp will ever come off. Honest to goodness, again, don't want to get political on that, but just, yeah. So Beaver Creek, I mentioned, was the first Dayton area team in the rankings. And for Cincinnati, that would have been Moeller. Moeller is 21st when you combine the junior teams and the high school teams. And St. X, oh, I lost my place. St. X is 25th. We will talk about the other teams, but not right now. Because it's time to swing over to Capital Hockey Conference time. Yes, that hockey conference has three teams outside the Capitol. Two in Cincinnati, one in Dayton. And I thought we'd have Talawanda moving, which I know Columbus teams would have been angry because that travel, though, is uh, pretty massive. Because <laughs> Oxford is near Indiana. Columbus is not. There you go. Glad you learned something today. Now, I will say this. I have been checking the uh, standings of the CHC for a while. And one thing they're not doing that they have done in years past, updating the overall record. Somehow everyone is o and o but still has a conference record. So, yay. Let's start with the toughest division, the red division. And lean the way with 19 points in 13 games. Olin Tangi, Berlin. If you want to talk about a meteor rise from opening the fourth high school in the Olentangy School District to getting to the toughest division in that amount of time, yeah, way to go, Berlin. Wow. And not only in the Red Division, leading the Red Division by one point, but still, hey, it's still very remarkable. As Olin Tangier Berlin, nine wins, three losses, one tie. If you're wondering why there's ties in high school hockey, well, remember, there's not a lot of rinks, especially in Cincinnati and Dayton. Columbus, eh, still isn't really. Let's be real. But if there's another game after you, you know, they have the ice time. You have to get off. So that's why sometimes they end in a tie. So there you go. Glad you learned another something today. Olentangy Liberty right behind the Bears. The Patriots 9-1 and in 10 games. And Upper Arlington 9-3 and in 12 games. Both the Golden Bears and the Patriots one point back of the Bears. Kind of wish Berlin picked someone other than the Bears. If you think about Olentangy's mascots, Braves, Pioneers, Patriots. Then you go Bears. I mean, I, I, I don't know. What else you would have picked, but eh, I don't know. St. Charles, 8-3-1 for the Cardinals, 12 games in. They're two points back. And then Moeller, nine points back at first, 4-4-1-1. And that one overtime loss was at Heritage Bank. Yours truly called it. 
Olentangy Orange sits at the bottom of the red, meaning if they do not get out of the bottom of the red, they will go back to the white division next year. 2-9-0-1 for the Pioneers. Which is a shame, because if we're talking about jerseys, yeah, Olentangy Orange will always get my thumbs up. In the white division, St. X has flown ahead of Thomas Worthington. The Bombers now 8-3 in the white division, leading by two points over the Cardinals of TW. 7-5 is Thomas Worthington in 12. Dublin Kaufman in 10 games, 6-3-0-1, 13 points, tied with their brothers, the Celtics of Dublin, Jerome, 6-5-1-0. And New Albany in fifth place with 12 points, four points behind the Bombers. Six and four, and Olentangy sits at the bottom of the white division, four and eight. Meaning if Olentangy doesn't get out of the bottom of the white, they're down to the blue next year. And if St. X holds on to the top part of the white division, guess where they play? The bruiser division, the red division. I think the Bombers can handle it, too. That's a good program. Bob Bove, his second year with the Bombers, coming over from NKY. And he's done a nice job with St. X. And Muller, Brad Gibson, he's done a nice job with Muller as well. Now to the Blue Division, we got a tie for first in 11 games in with the same record, 5-4-2-0. Welcome the Gehanna Lincoln Golden Lions and the Worthington Kilbourne Wolves. If you remember a few years back, Worthington Kilbourne got the varsity program back on track. And hey, tied for first. That's good. Columbus Academy and the Vikings, 3-6-1 and one in 10 games. A point better than fourth place Springboro, 3-7, and seven, which is disheartening to see Springboro in the blue division. Bishop Larson, 1-9-1 in 11 games, 3 points. No points in 11 losses, 11 games. St. Francis de Sales. Now we look at the goals scored, goals allowed situation. Most allowed, St. Francis de Sales with 61. Most scored. Olin Tanger Berlin with 72. In your divisions, 72 is the most in the red. Your least is 16 by Moeller. However, they have the second least goals allowed number at 17. Noah Smith doing a great job in net. But Olin Tanger Liberty has the lowest number there at 13. Most, Olin Tanger Orange, 51 goals allowed. They also have the second least amount of goals scored with 23. White division, the most goals scored, it's the Shamrocks. I know the name is technically Rocks, but you're not going to get me to say Rocks on my own podcast. Come on. The Rocks, 59 goals scored, and they have allowed 30, which is towards the bottom. I mean, towards the least amount, but not the least. There's a two-team tie. St. X and Dublin Jerome have allowed 27. That's the least in the white division. Your, I mentioned Dublin Kaufman, the most goals of 59. Your least amount of goals scored is not Olin Tangy. The Braves have scored 57 and allowed 59. That's the most allowed. And that's what's kind of hampering the Braves from getting further up in the white division. Your least amount of goals scored is Dublin Jerome at 31. Which surprises me, too. I know. It's the circle of sports. You know, you're going to have great players, great teams, and some years, maybe not so much in the cupboard. I get it. But it's it's still weird, because Dublin Jerome was, you know, was the team to beat. And now, they're in the middle division. 
Now, the blue division, the most goals scored, it's Worthington Kilbourne with 48. Least amount of goals allowed, that's Gahanna Lincoln with 27. Least goals scored, St. Francis of Sales with 5. And most goals allowed, there's actually a tie. 61 for St. Francis of Sales at Columbus. And Worthington Kilbourne with 61 of their own. But the most is Bishop Watterson with 72. We wish I had another look at that. I mentioned Kilbourne has the most goals scored with 48. Then you have a 20-goal drop. Gahanna Lincoln, 28. 27 for Bishop Watterson. 25 for Columbus Academy and Springboro. And then the 5 for St. Francis of Sales. Uh, Go through the rankings again. Just because I kind of went through the local teams. I mentioned Muller is the top non-Columbus local team in high school rankings. Where'd you guys go? Oh, 19th. I was like, wait a minute. Where is Muller? But, oh yeah, they start with Archbishop. St. X, 21st. And all together, the Crusaders, 21st. The St. Xavier Bombers, 25. And now we step over to the USA hockey side of things. These are programs for kids that go to school that don't have ice hockey programs. So in the area, a lot of schools that don't have ice hockey programs. Leading the way, this is all from my hockey rankings, by the way. Although, technically, there is the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League. Let's check that first. How they forget about that? Is this typing... Interesting. Is it? I still have the old link, though. I mean, the old uh, website address. Like, come on. You guys have been the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League for some time. Why? Why have you not changed it over yet? I'm not going to remember. It's gchschl.net. I'm just not. So let's look at the standings. We're going to cover the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League before diving back into my hockey rankings. It is the Dayton Stealth flying over everybody. 29 points, 16 games played, a 13-win, three-tie record. And this Stealth team has bombed 124 goals against their opponents. The second-highest number... It's a tie between second place Hilliard and the Wildcats at 51 and the Newark Generals have that in 15 games, five less than the Wildcats. Goals allowed? Well, your least is Dayton, 21, and your most is 83 by the PHA Prowlers, which I believe is Pickerington. Not entirely sure about that, but let's tell you the standings. Oh, the Miami Redhawks in the league? Awesome. That's a great addition. Dayton 13 0 and 3, Hilliard 9 2 and 2 with 20 points, 5 points better than 7 7 and 1 Newark and the Generals. The Junior Red Hawks 7 and 9 in 16 games, 6 8 and 1 for the Northeast Storm. I'm trying to remember where they're out of. I think Columbus, but I don't know that. Westerville 6 and 9 in 12, excuse me, 15 games, that's 12 points. 0-13-1 for PHA and the Prowlers. And the Athens Bobcats have not played a game this year. Not sure what's happening over that side of the world, but no stats for the Bobcats. Now, if only we had a Cincinnati team join the OSHL, 
<clears throat> swords. <clears throat> swords. Maybe junior cyclones. <clears throat> so let's take a look at the stealth. We'll also take a look at the Red Hawks, too. They're in the area. I want to see the team stats. Should be in there. This is a stealth team that scores most of the goals in the second period. Also allowed the most goals in the second period. 48 scored to 9 allowed. Like I said, 21 goals allowed by Dayton. That's outstanding. And 16 OSHL games. Keep in mind, that's not overall. It's just standings again. So let's look at the player stats because that's what you'd like to hear. Leading the way. Of course, it's not sortable. Ah. Uh, let's see. Can I do this? There we go. Your leading score? No, I can't. But it is Anthony DeFlora. 20 goals, 6 assists in 16 games. He's got 26 points, which is not the most. It's actually Ty Flanagan with 33 points to lead the stealth in that category. 13 goals, 20 assists. The 20 leads the team. 13 is tied for 4th highest in goals. Second highest is Landon Bechtel, 18 goals, 18 assists. His older brother Griffin played with the Elks. Great guy. And just realized I'm probably not going to see him for quite some time since, you know, kind of out of ice hockey. Then you have four goals, 12 assists for Cole Owens, 16 points. Spencer Thompson, 11, 15, 26. Aiden Booth, 13, 16, 29. I mentioned Ty Flanagan and Ethan Shu 6-9-15. Now we look at the defense. Actually, let's shuffle forwards out because I already mentioned the forwards. Defenders with points look something like this. Your leading point defender is Andrew Chevret, 6-7-13. 3-7-10 for Noah Thompson. Connor Flanagan, one eight and nine. And that's your highest uh, goals and assists for the defenders of the stealth. And Christian Wilkinson, one, one and two, two, one and three for Logan Maynor. And Emery Kimmins, two, two and four. Now let's talk about goalies. Not click on the Miami Redhawks. I'm not ready for that yet. Here we go. Caden Dalton, six wins, one tie. He has allowed, excuse me, he's allowed eight goals. He has 78 saves, a save percentage of 90.7, a goals allows average at a cool 1.13. Michael Lee has played the most games, though. Ten games, seven wins, two ties. And he has a save Percentage at 91%. A goals allows average a tad higher at 1.69. But hey, if I'm the coach of the stealth, I'm not sneezing at either number. So, yeah, and both goalies, Dalton and Lee, have three shutouts apiece. So, yeah. And also, Michael Lee, he is listed as a skater for one game, but he doesn't have any points. I think it might have been late when Caden Dalton took over and Michael Lee said, I want to skate. I was like, okay. So the game schedule. Let's load that up. It's very interesting when I'm loading things up. 
Just one game left. Actually, two. Because the Hilliard Wildcats and the Stealth couldn't play on the 7th. I guess the season's winding down. The 30th is scheduled for the last game at 6 p.m. Eastern. So maybe right after the Bengals game. Stealth will take on the Northeast Storm. And I was right. It was Columbus at the Easton Chiller. Storm 6-8-1. Stealth, the ties, in case you're wondering, at Hilliard 2-2 and at Newark 3-3. Rest of them have been quite dominant. Your closest win, looking by, uh, looks like it's a four-goal win. Also, there is a third tie, the game at the Springfield Chiller against Hilliard, first game of the year. The largest win would happen to come against the Westerville Warhawk, uh, excuse me, Warcats. Those are the Warhawks, though. No, that's Westerville Central. Sorry. At home against the Warcats, 14 0. And also a pair of 12 0 wins against PHA at Springfield and at the Easton Chiller. So, yeah, this stealth team, quite strong. So, let's look at the Miami Redhawks. They're the first team on there for some reason. We'll start with the player stats and then tell you about their schedule. Maybe. Here we go. The Red Hawks. They're led by Zachary. Oh, I see him with the Junior Red Hawks. What is his last name? Ross? Zachary Roos? No, Zachary Reese. It's Reese. It's spelled R-E-U-S-S, but I remember it was not pronounced near that. Anyway, six goals, four assists for Reese to lead the team with 10 points. Then you have Brody Webb, four goals, two assists, six points. Three, three, and, uh, yeah, three, three and six for Derek Winterbottom. And five points for William Packer and Joseph Leroy. That's your forwards. Now we look at the defenders. Perhaps don't like this system. So let me click on defense to see the defenders. Leading scorer in the defense side, well, you have one goal, Colin Press, and two assists, Nathan Hopper. Now let's look at the goalies to tell you how the Red Hawks have fared in net. And I believe it's their first year in the OSHL. But again, it's really nice. Just one goalie the Red Hawks have leaned on, Keegan Heft. 15 games, 7-8. and eight. He has... 499 saves. His first one of his next game will be number 500 in the year. A 3.47 goals allows average. A save percentage at 90.6 with one shutout. That's not bad. Let's look at the game schedule. So they have fallen to Dayton 8-0 and at the Springfield Chillers 6-2 to Dayton. And also 10-1 at Goggin again against Dayton. Best win of the year... 4-1 to one at Newark. Closest wins are one goal. 2-1 at PHA. 2-1 at Newark. 3-2 against Newark at home. 2-1 at Westerville. Which technically that's the Chiller North. So that's not... Never mind. And then a 2-0 win against PHA. A 4-1 win against PHA all at home. Two games left at the Goggin Ice Arena this weekend. At 12-10 this Saturday. And won this Sunday against the Hilliard Wildcats. Now we look at the, not all, the USA Hockey 
standings. Would you believe that Dayton is on top? Because you would be right, because Dayton has a 29-5-4 record ahead of Hilliard slash Southwest. Never heard anyone call them Southwest, but there you go. 28-8-5. There's Cincinnati, 29-10-3. I did mention, I think the Swords would be a nice fan in the OSHL. I forget they're in the Cincinnati High School Hockey League, which I think still exists. Miami used to be in there. Now they're not. I know it's the Swords, Indian Hill. Is Northern Kentucky in that league still? I think they are. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any others. I can't think off the top of my head. Newark in fourth place, 18, 13, and 6. Medina, excuse me, Medina, 8, 20, and 1. Westerville, 14, 15, and 2. Cameron Akron Jets, the American team of Canton Akron Jets, 9, 15, and 3. Northeast 11, 14, and 2. Team Ohio, which is in Columbus, 8, 11, 13. And Norfolk, Kentucky is in the mix at 8, 18, and 4. Wow. See Norfolk, Kentucky that low. Whew, that's huge. We will have to check on uh, Norfolk, Kentucky, by the way. They are a part of Cincinnati. So staying with the local teams, Miami Junior Redhawks, 13, 23, and 3, and 12. They did fall a few places. I mentioned Indian Hill. The Winter Club Rangers are 5-8-2. And, and that's all the local teams. Rest are around Toledo and Cleveland up north. Which, shocker, I know. In case you're wondering where they fit amongst all Ohio teams. Stealth are in fourth place, 29-5-4. and four. Long pause. Hilliard, 17th. Miami should be in the 40s. No, no, because they were, weren't they ahead of the Jets? No, they weren't. Never mind. Miami Junior. Ooh, 49th. I was that close to being wrong. I hate being wrong. That's why I'm not wrong all the time. And scrolling through, what else was there? Was there another team or am I dreaming that? Where would Norfolk, Kentucky be? Or are they not in this list? Because Indian Hills 60th, by the way. And Norfolk, Kentucky be 43rd in the state, which now that means let's check on Kentucky. We do talk about Norfolk, Kentucky. Norse were very good to me in my time covering high school hockey. Kentucky has one category because there's only like eight schools and teams in the state. Owensboro leads the way, 12-11-2. Rampage always a good team. There's Norfolk, Kentucky, 8-18-4. Charleston and West Virginia. Yes, I know that's not in Kentucky, but Norfolk, Kentucky's not in Cincinnati. We're still talking about them, so get over it. 6-4. Lexington, 7-11-3. Trinity High School, just 3-3-1. Evansville, Kentucky High School, Indiana. What? Ev- that's got to be the Thunder, the Evansville Thunder. 2-6. Louisville St. Xavier 1 and 7. Louisville Metro 0 and 5. Okay, chalk a lot of those up to just uh, uh, COVID relations. And like I said, hockey is not the biggest sport in Kentucky. That'll be basketball. But hey, we got through the high school hockey scene, except with one last talk. I want to talk about my time in Cincinnati. 
I tell you, when I get a chance to broadcast at Heritage Bank Center, it means the world to me. Because one day I'd like to be the voice of the Cincinnati Cyclones, or, you know, professional team. Or, you know, not having to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. You get the point. I want to talk about that night because it was a great night. Another night where I'm there and JV ties, which don't understand that, guys, but man, that's all right. The JV team tied 2-2. Two two. St. X had two one-goal leads. Muller tied it up twice. And it was a pretty good match. Both teams had chances to go up in the third late, but neither could. The varsity game, we didn't start until about 9, 9.30, but just being in that arena. And yes, I know, I'll say it again. That place does need some renovations. You know it. I know it. We all know it. But you know what? As a nice hockey rink, it's still a pretty nice place. I will say again, the chance to broadcast for both St. Xavier and Moeller is huge just because it is a very big event. I don't know if there was any local media this year. Last time I was there, uh, Fox 19 was. I haven't seen any highlights, which means I need to look those up once I get this uploaded. But varsity game, Bowler started off strong late in the first with two first period goals. St. X got on the board 16 seconds into the second. Moeller would add on to her lead a few minutes later. And then St. X down 3-2 to two as the Bombers get one that beats the Horn to end the second. St. X ties it late with an extra attacker. And then Matt Doxey wins it in the first minute of OT. And everyone goes home satisfied with their experience in Cincinnati. St. X fans happier than Muller, of course, because, you know, Bombers won that game. But I love the rivalry of those two schools. And honestly, it's a great thing that we get to see them play at Heritage Bank. Last year, it didn't happen because COVID-19. They played it at uh, Sports Plus, I believe, because it was, was it at St. X? I think it was at St. X. Well, at Sports Plus, because none of the teams have their own rinks. You don't get that until you get towards the Cleveland area, which, you know, that is what it is. But I got to call the game on ESPX, which if you didn't go back and see it, it is free to watch it and you can enjoy it. That led to probably the coolest moment ever in my broadcasting history. It's something I've always wanted to do, but I never known how to reach out and saying, hey, I'd like to help out and talk to young broadcasters to help them out. I got to do that with ESPX just a few days ago. I got to thank my boss, Rob Ebel, for helping me out and putting a good word for me. And seems like uh, St. X really appreciated that. So that was really cool. So, yeah, that is definitely the coolest thing that's happened to me in my career. And you might be wondering, well, there's no games. There's nothing you mentioned. No, it's about giving back. It's about helping those that want to get into the field. You know, I want success for me, obviously. I, I don't think there's a person out there that's like, nah, I'm fine. Just, you know, flown along. But I also don't want to impede other people's success, whatever that might be. So 
helping with you know others getting them you know helping hand you know that's what it's about so that definitely was the coolest moment for me uh, i talked about versatility in broadcasting so many sports cuz after this Saturday, I will have covered 14 different sports. Actually, broadcast 14 different sports. Do I have to go on my own website to find out how many sports that is? I probably do, which is fantastic, but that's okay. This is the end. This is towards the end of the podcast anyway, so it's not like I have anything else exciting. I will say next episode, no, it is not the the college basketball one. I'm going to shelve that until we get closer to March Madness, baby. Sweet 16. Boom. Actually, he doesn't say boom. Never mind. Shut up. Anyway, as a broadcaster, that would be 14. Uh, swimming and diving is in here. Actually, I got to add that. We're counting it separate. It's 15, but nah, that doesn't, well, does it? I don't know. Who cares? There's roller derby, so that would be 15. And I've covered tennis with a live blog, so that's 16 total sports I've covered. That's huge. Never broadcasted tennis, nor announced it, but uh, maybe one day. Yeah, I covered 16 sports. And my big thing was, look, if you think about this way, if you want to work for a professional team as their broadcaster, there's a finite amount of jobs available. And... MLB, there's 30 jobs as play-by-play and then 30 jobs as an analyst. Yes, you could have like a fill-in role, I guess. But if you're looking towards the big picture, yeah, you have a finite amount of people that already have that job. So you're going to have to make yourself look better with you know a resume that just pops out with a lot of experience. So that was my basic talk. I said, hey, you know... Um, Just try it out. There's resources to, you know, learn about sports. There's a lot of sports broadcasts on YouTube nowadays. You can go out there and see how they do things. And, you know, don't be afraid to try because there's a lot of great opportunities, especially with St. X. You know, I kill for have like a student broadcast program at Valley View when I was in school. Would love that. I mean, newspaper and yearbook was fine, but it's like, I'm more of a broadcaster type of thing because I feel like my writing is, eh, it's all right. But there's a lot of rules I forgot in high school with grammar and everything. So I probably sound like an idiot most of the time, but hey, that's life. So yeah, that is the coolest part I've ever got to take part of. And it's thanks to Rob Ebel of ESP Media for recommending me. Thank you, Rob. Hopefully you're doing better, my friend. And I'll be back down Cincinnati Friday. So that will do it. That is episode 228. And if you're expecting three episodes and every single two weeks, I have to tell you, probably not. These past two weeks, the timing's been perfect. So yeah, been able to do that. And that's been quite awesome. Go see the Cyclones. Go see the pro cyclones. Go see the junior cyclones. Go support your high school hockey team. Go support the high school alternative teams, which is like the Stealth and the Red Hawks and the Swords. Go support your teams. 
And that will do it. In case you're wondering why I called this ice twisters, you know, cyclone storms. Ha ha ha. I mean, okay. I'm trying. Box art is hard. And, you know, SNEX boxes. And that's going to be a yearly thing. Meaning in 2023, I'll have to figure out a new template. But, you know, it is what it is. Thanks for listening to the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Which, by the way... I didn't mention it last week. I think I did. This podcast is now part of the best 25 Cincinnati podcast you should be listening to. You must follow in 2022. And you can find that on blog.feedspot.com slash Cincinnati underscore podcast. I'm number 19 there. If you click on the link, you can listen to the episodes. It's a big honor to be listed with a lot of these podcasts because these are like official media stuff. Pardon the punctuation. They do a great job over there. Um, Trying to think. Sports with Strawberry Ice. But there's no Strawberry Ice in the podcast. What gives? No, uh, Jeff does a great job. And he recently shared a video from Fox 19 about the origins of Who Day. Which I didn't know myself. Yes, I've heard that it's from Who Dat. From the New Orleans Saints. But it's actually from a local high school in the New Orleans area. So the Saints didn't even think of that up. So, you know. Both teams ripped off a high school. Hooray. Normally, you see high schools ripping off logos. And that's why the Bengals stick with the logo B. Just because of the fact that, you know, you don't see it anywhere else. Which, yes, that makes sense. But, eh, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's also uh, Mo Ager. He's a sports talk host on uh, 1530. Talks a lot of Cincinnati stuff. He's been the one I listen to on my way down Cincinnati most times, if I can pick up 1530. Uh, There's Cincinnati Soccer Talk. Yeah, the uh, title speaks for itself. They cover everything soccer in Cincinnati from MLS down to the youth side. Lock on Reds. Hear that podcast growling. I love that title. Lock on Bengals. That's so Cincinnati. So, yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Here And it's great to be a part of this list. Kings of Queen City. Sounds like it's just a ripoff of King of Queens. But no. So they do a nice job. It's great to see that uh, this podcast is now listed with so many great Cincinnati ones as well. And I want to thank you for listening to the Cincinnati Dane Sports Podcast. I'll stop talking now. This has been episode 228. Next time, there's another storm approaching. And crap, I forgot to look that up, actually. Do fire tornadoes exist? Uh, we're going to be talking about the recent um, the recent conference changes. And it's not just high school. You saw Edgewood and Ross will leave for the Southwestern Buckeye League for 2023-24. Which, when I saw Ross do it, I I wasn't a fan. Just because competition-wise, yes, Ross will hold their own, and they will be a good battle. (laughs) Travel-wise, sorry, Waynesville, sorry, Eaton, you gotta get south of Hamilton now. (laughs) Sorry, Brookville. Might have been a good thing Milton Union left for the Three Rivers after all. Can you imagine that drive from West Milton to Ross? (laughs) But they also added Edgewood two hours later, so that will help a little bit. Plus, Edgewood has a better fit. They're close to Valley View. They're close to Middletown, Mass. And 
they're close to Franklin Carlisle and that whole swing of things. But that's next week. Also UIC. But that's next time. I say next week like I know what my schedule is. But we'll talk about that next episode. And yes, fire tornadoes exist. So you can probably imagine what I'm going to go with for next episode's box art. But there you go. That'll do it. I'm finally shutting up now. Talk to you again next time for more local Sunday sports. If you think you heard it on Dayton Radio, you didn't. It's on this podcast. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark SindayPod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SindayPod and the host at The Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.